Hello, everybody. It is so good to have all of you here on a Sunday morning for worship and the delight of praising our God and offering our prayers to Him and, and hearing His Word. And for those who may be guests here or online, we welcome you. We're glad you're with us. A couple of quick announcements. Um, I think we always say here, if uh, you're new, we follow a liturgy. It's printed in the program. You can pick one up on the way in. Faith Promise is due in the next couple of weeks. We hope many of you have already done so, but we would invite you to get a card and make your Faith Promise for the coming year. Uh, all the kids, I asked what ages, and the answer was all ages. So all the kids are invited in here? Downstairs. Downstairs. Downstairs in the foundation for pageant rehearsal today after church. So if you have a child of any age, we encourage you to encourage them to go downstairs. And finally... Uh, announcement, number of you have received very friendly letters from our clerk inviting you to consider being an elder or a deacon. Very few of you have responded, and we really would like to hear from you. I would personally encourage an affirmative answer to uh, serving on leadership in a church is actually pretty interesting in a lot of ways. It can be challenging at times, but it brings a lot of joy. And I've been in churches. I don't think it's the policy here, but maybe it should be. I have been in churches where if you didn't respond, you were in nomination. <laughs> and I think that's a good idea, but the, we, we, we would encourage you to get your responses back to the clerk. We appreciate that. We invite you to rise as we come into our God's presence. Let us worship the eternal God, the source of love and life. Come all who are weary and burdened. Our gracious God beckons us. The Lord who loved us and set us free of our sins, who loves us still with a love that will not let us go. is me 
Merciful God, for the things we have done that we regret and things that we have not done that we regret, forgive us. For all the times we have acted without love and the times we have reacted without thought, forgive us. For all the times we have withdrawn, cared and failed to forgive, forgive, forgive us. us. We are too inclined towards anger, jealousy, and revenge. Forgive our sins, O God, for the ways we fall short of your glory. Help us to live together according to your ways, through Jesus Christ. Friends, hear these words of assurance. Hear the good news, friends. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Praise the Lord, my soul. Let's keep singing. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. His mercy is more 
Peace of Christ be with you. Take a few moments to extend Christ's peace to those around you. friends to come on up. So if you're in preschool through second grade, come join me up here. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us you're wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. Lord be with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is John Vriesma, and I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, we read, Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I would like to lead you in prayer this morning, and we have the opportunity to praise God for his greatness, to pray for those who need special attention through prayer, and to thank God for all that he does for us in our lives. So let us come before him in prayer, and I'd like to use the words of Psalm 111 to open our prayer with praise. I'll make it plural so that it's a corporate prayer. Would you pray with me? Praise the Lord. We will thank the Lord with all our hearts as we meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. Dear Lord, in this season of thanksgiving, We thank you for the many, many blessings that we have from you. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us, whether we are 8 or 88. We thank you that you are near to us and that you know us and that you love us dearly. Lord, we thank you that we can speak your name freely and we can read your scriptures without fear of repercussions. We know that many around the world live in fear of being persecuted for their faith. And Lord, we thank you for the stories of faith and boldness in the face of persecution. Protect those in places where a belief in you is a matter of literal life and death. Lord, we thank you for providing for us each day. 
We have housing and clothes and clean water and food in abundance. But many do not have that in different parts of the world. Lord, let us not take for granted these blessings. When many in the world struggle to eat enough or find um, clean drinking water. Lord, please help the Blackstone Valley Emergency Shelter Group as they work to find housing for the homeless in our community. Let us be generous in support of their efforts. And Lord, may we also be generous with Thanksgiving baskets and Christmas gifts over the next few weeks. And Lord, we thank you for peace in our country. Though there are political disputes and ideological disagreements between parties and neighbors, Lord, we thank you that we don't face the daily threat of bombs or tanks, bullets or bloodshed. We can live in our homes without fear of being displaced due to war. Father, be with those who live in war-torn countries. And Lord, we thank you for the assurance of salvation, knowing Christ is our Lord and Savior. Your hope and peace lift us up in times of struggle. Lord, we ask that your peace would be present with Steve and Karen in the death of Steve's mom and the battle with cancer that Karen will have to fight. Lord, continue to be with the Audettes in the loss of a beloved mother. We ask that you be with Tammy M. and her parents as they walk through a time of physical decline due to a stroke with Tammy's mom in South Dakota. Lord, continue to bless Mark H. as he continues to recover from heart issues. And Lord, this week we heard at Whitensville Christian School that um, there was a death in the Sinelli family. We um, mourn the loss of Jen after a long battle with cancer. And uh, mom, this family, sorry, Lord, this family has lost their mom. And uh, we know that um, husband Tony and daughters Amanda and Allison, uh, we just think of them. And uh, Lord, we ask that you be with them. And uh, we do thank you for Jen's testimony of faith in you. And Lord, just be with them in these next days and weeks. And Father, we think too of Darren Senecal and family as Darren has lost a stepfather, Robert Davis, a week ago, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you would comfort them in these difficult days ahead as they adjust to this loss, and um, we just ask a special blessing on them. Lord, all of these people, we ask that you would give your strength and your comfort and your encouragement and your presence to them. Lord, we thank you for this church and this church family. May we care deeply for each other and lift each other up. Lord, thank you for all who plan and lead worship for those who have gifts in technology, for those who watch and teach children and teens, and those who care for and um, care for this church and clean this church, and Lord, others who help us to be a worshiping, growing, serving family. We ask that you would raise those who are willing to lead in counsel and to give of their time to help this church thrive. Lord, we ask that you help us to find the means to support our budget to support Faith Promise, and to support the different programs and the giving opportunities that we have here. Lord, we know that all comes from you, and Lord, we ask that we would have a willingness to give back to you to help so many, and uh, Father, just fill us with generous hearts. And Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that you so lavishly offer us, as we have sung about this morning. We struggle to live as you would want us to live, and Father, May we forgive as you have forgiven us. Help us to hear your words this morning and to seek to live them out. We praise you this day, Lord. You are our forgiving, loving, gracious God. And in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen.
Good morning. Today's reading comes from Matthew 18, verses 15 through 35. Dealing with sin in the church. If your brother or sister sins, go out and point their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am I with them. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called in the servant, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Bill Viss. It's great to be back with you. I appreciate when the elders invite me. Today I'm going to, it, I like to preach in series. Those who have known me in the past will be familiar with that. And, and this is the first in what may be a series, if they keep asking me back, entitled, If Only. If Only I Could. If Only I, well, today is Only I Could Really Forgive People. I, I hear people say things like, life will never change. I can't help it. This is the way I was born. This is the way I am. It's just my nature. Yeah, I've always been grouchy. Uh, I, 
I can't help it. You know, they, they, they worked me over, and I will never, ever forgive them. It's just, how, how am I supposed to let this go? And the reality is that there are very, very few characteristics that are so built into the way we were made and the way we are that they can never be changed. My skin color isn't going to change. My hair may get less and less, but it will always be about the same gray color now. There are things I can't change unless I diet, which I'm not going to do. But the kinds of things we're going to talk about here are things that if you follow the Bible and you go to the Bible and you hear what God has to say, they can be adjusted, they can be changed. And, and the kinds of things we're going to talk about are the kinds of things that really bring damage and destruction and negativity and trouble into our lives. What, what happens when you don't forgive people? If you hang on to unforgiveness, interesting word because it isn't a word, but we know what it means. If we hang on to unforgiveness, inevitably our life begins to spiral down into a very negative pit. We become bitter. We, we harbor the anger. We, we nurture the grudge. We, we get depressed. We, we get down. Who really gets punished when we harbor unforgiveness? I know people who refuse to forgive because they think somehow it gives them power over the person who has wronged them. Gives them some kind of leverage. They'll feel really bad when they realize how upset I am. But I have read that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking we're going to hurt the other person. The only person who gets upset in the stomach and gets sick over this is ourselves. Unforgiveness will destroy our happiness, our joy. It will make us physically ill, emotionally warped. But if we can learn this gift of offering grace, of letting go, of not carrying the grudge, of putting it behind us and just being done with it, some really great things happen. The the first is that when we learn how to let go of the pain and let go of the anger and let go of the need for revenge, we experience a reality of peace. Corey Tenboom said, forgiveness is to set a prisoner free. And then to realize that you were the prisoner all along. Forgiveness brings us a peace in this life. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul begins in verse 13 saying, bear with each other. Forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. And then he goes on and completes the thought by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. He links the two. He says, forgive each other so that peace will come into your life. If we hang on to yesterday's offenses, there will be no peace. No peace in our marriage. Uh, I can remember... What was it, Sandy? 40 years ago? Oh, well, 35 years ago, we went to a marriage conference and, and we were to write down 10 things that we really liked about the other person. And I don't, to this day, I remember Sandy writing down, Bill's not a historian. Because you know what? When we're historians, when, when we bring up that thing that you did eight years ago, you remember when you. It destroys the peace in our families. 
and it destroys the peace in a church. Have you ever been hurt by somebody else in this building? I have. We all have. And do you know what happens in the body when we refuse to let it go? When we keep remembering, when we try to figure out a way that we can jab them back? Then we get conflict. And you know what happens when churches have conflict? They get smaller and smaller because there's no peace. Forgiveness brings peace. And forgiveness makes it easier for us to forgive ourselves. I, I once counseled with a woman, and, and she couldn't let her mistakes go. She couldn't let her past go. You know, I, I would sit with her, and she would say, you know, if, if only I had thought to say this, if only I hadn't done that, if only, if only, and it, it was on and on. And, and finally, as we talked and I listened, I discerned that in the same way she couldn't forgive herself, she never forgave anybody else. It was just the pattern in her life to, to harbor the memory of every negative thing that had ever happened. And when we talked about it, and she recognized it, and she began to practice forgiveness. We'll talk about how to do that in just a second. When she actually began to let things go for other people, she found she could let things go for herself as well. And the third thing that happens is you'll experience the fullness of God's forgiveness for you. You'll experience the, the wonder of having been freed yourself Sometimes Jesus said things, and he says them so clearly, and he says them so directly that we can either accept that he meant exactly what he said, or we can spend a half hour going in theological circles trying to explain what he really meant. And here's one of those that we have struggled with. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, I understand the theological conundrum there. Because we don't earn our forgiveness, it's given of grace. So how, how do we make, but, but, but then Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. In the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts, we ask, as we also have forgiven our debtors. There, there's this principle of reciprocity. We, we receive what we give. That's why generous people always seem to have enough to provide for themselves and, and often much more. It's why, it's why merciful people, when they make a mistake or when they hurt somebody else, experience and receive mercy from those people because they have offered it to others so often. When we don't forgive, we will not experience the fullness of forgiveness. Now, that theological circle I talked about, I'm not going to take a half hour spending it. I will tell you that what I think this means isn't that if we don't forgive, God's going to send us to hell. I don't think forgiveness is earned. But if we don't forgive, I don't think we will experience it. We will not, we will not rest in it. We will not rejoice in the knowledge of the great amount that we have been forgiven. And so to get peace and, and to experience the joy of forgiveness and, and to build the, the peace within the body and within our lives that comes from Forgiving, forgiving each other, there are some steps that I think we can do very concretely to put into practice. And, and we just read the parable. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing, but most of us have heard it. There, there's a servant. He comes to this king. And the king says, 
pay me what you owe me. Now, I will take a minute to translate. NIV says 10,000 bags of gold. The older translation said 10,000 talents. And I done a review of what a talent was. A talent equaled your gross income from working six days a week, 50 weeks a year, for 20 years. So let's say that this man worked for this king six days a week, 50 weeks a year, for 20 years, the king would say, good, you've paid off one talent. You still owe me 9,999 more. Or to translate it into U.S. 2021 dollars, this man owed his king somewhere in the area of 7 billion U.S. dollars. Now, I don't know what the chances would be that you would ever be able to repay someone 7 billion. My name isn't Bill Gates. I can't. The man was crushed by this debt. He falls on his knees. He begs mercy. The king gives him mercy. Amazing. $7 billion forgiven. Can you imagine the weight lifted off his shoulders? And he goes out and he's feeling good and he, he meets one of his fellow servants who owes him approximately four months wages. So translated into the average income in America, he's owed somewhere in the area of ten dollars to $15,000. He's been forgiven $7 billion. He's owed ten dollars or $12,000, $15,000. And the guy falls on his knees and he says, I, I will get it. Give me a little time. I'm working on it. And he says, no more time. And he throws him in jail. Of course, that's seen. It's reported. The king calls him back and he throws him into prison to be tortured. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Can't take any other moral from that story other than that God takes this whole forgiving business pretty seriously. I mean, he, he really, really feels strongly that he doesn't want us to harbor a grudge, to, to, to nurse the pain, to, to seek revenge, to find ways to pay back for what we have suffered. And things to remember as we try to apply this is that we can forgive as God has forgiven us. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Has God forgiven you? Do you believe that? Yes. I'll let you raise your hands if you believe that God has forgiven you. Has he forgiven you just a little bit and he's holding on to the rest? No. He's forgiven you completely. In fact, he doesn't just forgive. Isaiah 38 says, you have put my sins behind your back means he doesn't see them anymore. Or, or it, it says in Jeremiah, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. That's the way God forgives us. There's a story, I'm pretty sure it's apocryphal, but it's a good preacher story. A woman came into a preacher and she said, Pastor, Pastor, I've heard God speaking to me. I hear the very voice of God. And the pastor looks at her and says, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Um, and she says, no, really, Pastor? She gives a couple examples, and he kind of thinks, well, maybe. Finally, he says, okay, here, here's the test. When I was a teenager, I did something that was really, really 
bad. I, 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 I hurt someone in a way that you could find almost indescribable. And so you go to God, and you talk to God, and you ask God, what was it that pastor did that was so bad when he was a teenager? And when you come back here, you tell me, and I'll know that you're hearing from God. And so she went out, and she prayed, and, and she, she came back, and, and she said, Pastor, I guess I, guess I was dreaming or, or I was wrong because, because I asked God what you did, and he says, I don't remember anything that he ever did wrong. And the pastor looked at her and said, you do talk to God because that's the way God forgives us. Now, if that's the way God forgives us, he wants us to forgive others the same way. Clara Barton, who founded the American Red Cross, uh, confronted her once with someone who had harmed her and said, don't you remember when she did such and such? And Clara Barton said, no, I don't. I distinctly remember forgetting it. <laughs> but that is the objective. Now, we may not actually forget. God doesn't give us that blessing of being able to actually wipe it from our mind. But we can remember without the anger. We can remember without the need to pay back. I think the heart of forgiveness, the very heart of forgiveness, is when we let go of the need to see the others suffer in some way for what they have done to us. That we pray for them and we rejoice with them. And we love them still, as God rejoices with us and loves us still. Remember how you have been forgiven, and, and when you remember it, let it spill through. And then, number two, make the distinction so that you only forgive those you need to forgive. And wonder what I mean by that. Well, there is a cottage in, uh, industry these days, it seems, of demanding forgiveness of people who haven't personally wronged us. And I'm not going to go in all the ways that happens. If you read anything, social media or anything in the news, you know how the, 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 the policy goes. Someone, someone 20 years ago said something stupid, and so now there's a demand that they publicly renounce it and ask forgiveness of everybody in the country kind of thing. And it, and it leads to not good things. I was at a preacher's meeting, this is a number of years ago now, but talking to a fellow pastor over lunch, and, and he said to me, you know, Pastor Bill, I am having a really hard time forgiving Ted Haggard for what he did. Now, this is a while ago, so you may not know the whole story, but Ted Haggard was one of these mega church pastors with a huge following and it came out that he was involved in some very salacious kind of sin, and it brought bad repute to his name, to his church's name, to the church in general. And so a lot of people were upset about this very famous pastor being involved in this very inappropriate thing. And so he said, I, I'm having a really hard time forgiving Ted Haggard. And sometimes I maybe should watch my tongue, but I, I, I said, oh, really? What did he do to you personally? And I'm not sure it was appreciated. But it's not my job to put myself in God's position and say it's my job to decide whether Ted Haggard gets forgiven or not. And it's not your job either. It doesn't just apply to people in the headlines. It applies 
at Pleasant Street Church when the gossip goes around and you hear about somebody did something. And, and so then we set ourselves up to ask, well, I don't know that they should be forgiven for that. But the first verse of what was just read, it didn't say it in the 19 or the 2011 translation, but in the 1984 translation, the international version, it said, if someone sins against you. And when Peter came to Jesus a little later and, and said, how often should I forgive someone who sins, he said, someone who sins against me. I, I think that's the biblical principle. If you are the wronged one, then God does call you to forgive. Let it go. Put it behind you. You can... These other situations where you hear about somebody who got involved in a sin something, you can pray for them. You can pray for those who were hurt by them. You can, you can pray for God to restore them. What you can't do is put yourself in the position of thinking you need to forgive them. It's not your place. When someone sins against you, let it go. When someone sins against somebody else, don't even ever pick it up. We will, I think, build the habit of forgiveness into our lives when we learn that we need to work on our stuff and not everybody else's. And then very importantly, forgive face to face. You know the Matthew 18 principle, right? If somebody sins against you, what Jesus said was if somebody sins against you, go right to the elders and tell the elders and have them do something about it. Actually, that's not what he said. Yeah. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, do the hard thing. And it is a hard thing. I think we all know it's a hard thing. But Jesus said, if someone sins against you, you do the hard thing, which is go to them privately, personally, one-on-one, -on -one, and say to them, I, I, I want you to know just how badly. That hurt me. I, 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 I want you to know just how damaging that was to my reputation that you were talking in public and saying such and such, which just simply isn't true. Whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm, real, I'm really upset. You told me that when I lent you $100, you'd pay me back within a month. It's been three months. And, you know, it, it, it is wrong. And, and I'm upset about that. What I have discovered in real life is that in a high percentage of cases, I don't have an exact number, 85, 90, 93, I don't know, but in a high percentage of cases, when we take that risky and hard step of going to somebody and not saying, you dirty so-and-so, you are such scum, I don't know. But go to them and say, I have been hurt by what you have done, and I want you to know that. That in a very high percentage of the cases, reconciliation will follow. They'll find a way to give you the $100 back. They'll, 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 they'll sincerely tell you how sorry they are. They, they, they will ask your forgiveness. There will be a few cases where that doesn't happen. Jesus recognized that as well. He said, sometimes they'll get back in your face and say, who do you think you are, you, or whatever. 
And then Jesus said, well, then take one or two other people and, and, and do the same thing. Basically appeal to their conscience. Let, the, let them know that what they have said, what they have done, what they haven't done has caused real harm. And again, in a percentage of cases, that will bring reconciliation. It is only after those hard steps that we are called to go to the church and ask them to help mediate. Forgiveness. Some of you sitting here right now, in all probability, I don't know all your stories, but some of you are sitting here, and when I talk about harboring a grudge, nursing a hurt, stewing in the anger, wanting to snap back, get back, pay back, some, some of you are probably there right now. Church this large would be very surprising if you're not. It's deeply rooted in our human nature to, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, I'll get him back kind of thing. But that's not the walk of Jesus. That's not the road he calls us to. And so I would encourage you today to remember how much God has forgiven you. Don't think about other people now. Just think back. Just think back this past week. What have, what have you done or said that God needed to forgive you for? If anybody here says nothing, I'm going to call you a liar. What has God done? What is, what is that most awful thing that you did as a teenager that still makes you blush if you think about it today? God has forgiven that. And once you recognize the depth and the width and the abundance of God's grace for you, then begin the hard work of doing the same in your own life for others. And if there are hurts that you're nursing, if there are hurts that are ongoing, if there are offenses that you don't know what to do with, take the hard first step that Jesus called you to. Talk to the people. Let them know. Strive for reconciliation. May peace reign in our lives, shall we pray? Lord, it can feel so wonderfully good in a warped kind of way to remember and to stew and to imagine payback of one sort or another. But that wonderful warped feeling is a poison damaging our hearts, damaging our relationships, damaging our bodies and lives. And so as you have forgiven us, may we rejoice in the knowledge of your forgiveness by offering the same to others. Help us to let it go. Help us to put it behind us. Help us to build instead of tear down. Help us to find peace in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite 
the appropriate age children, I think it's what, third to fifth grade or something like that for ECHO to come forward at this time? People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard and that deep in our hearts we live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Can you hear me? Hi, my name is um, um, Alicia Waringa, and just for a plug for the um, the uh, council nominations, I still remember when um, I was called to be a deacon, and I kept thinking, I don't have the time for this, and what can I bring to the table? I can tell you that in the past three years, God has made the time, and he has used me. So for those who are thinking about it, um, I encourage you. So thank you. So um, I'm here to talk about um, the church offerings. Since we are not um, handing out baskets for the offerings, we ask that you uh, um, generously give your gifts in the wooden box outside. Um, you can give online, or you can um, give by stopping by the office during the week. Our first offering is for the uh, general fund, and the second offering is for the UMass uh, spiritual and uh, pastoral services. Uh, Chaplain Kathy from UMass wrote um, a letter on how um, she would like to use the funds this year, so I'll read that letter to you. So dear uh, fellow friends in Christ, I was deeply touched about your desire to reach out in support of the uh, UMass uh, Pastoral uh, Spiritual Care Team. As the only level one trauma center in Central Mass, the uh, chaplains have uh, provided spiritual support in, in unprecedented uh, numbers to our patients and loved ones in the past 19 months through the challenges of COVID-19 and beyond. Our team supports the spiritual, religious, and psychological needs of patients, their loved ones, and our caregivers of all faiths. Our goal is to be a compassionate presence in times of medical challenges grief, trauma, hope, and healing. We have been called upon in these, in these last few years like never before, and I am very proud of the team. I must admit, however, that the intensity of our ministry and what we have witnessed firsthand in these last years has left us weary at times. Uh, perhaps the greatest support right now would be the, would be the sponsorship of um, a half day of prayer renewal for our team, where we could uh, I gather off-site, be spiritually fed, and have time to decompress as a team. This is perhaps an unusual sponsorship, yet in this, un in this unprecedented time, our spirits and souls would greatly benefit from our spiritual uh, refreshment as a team. I cannot express how uh, thankful I am for your church to reach out to us. Just the thought that you are thinking of us gives us strength and hope to keep giving what we can, 
May God bless you and your congregation for the witness of Christ's love in our community and beyond. And this is from uh, Chaplain Kathy. So the uh, second um, uh, offering will go towards um, helping the uh, pastors at uh, UMass, and we hope to uh, sponsor them for their half day. So any questions, you can ask me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in love by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I had no right to 
Grace and grace alone. 